Welcome to Motherhood Feels. Hindsight is 2020. I'm Dr. Jill Garrett, a licensed psychologist who specializes in maternal mental health and host of Motherhood Feels. Hindsight is 2020. Stay tuned for a special Fatherhood Feels episode with seasoned dad and psychotherapist Blair O'Hara. Blair, who is another international guest for the podcast, lives in Australia where he offers counseling and psychotherapy services. You can also check out his podcast, The Daily Scrub, on Apple and Spotify, where he focuses on the things that have gotten in the way of living to our full potential, and he helps to clean it up. You can follow Blair on his popular Instagram account, at healingwithblair, all one word, and his website is listed in the show notes. Listen in to Blair's story next. Hey guys, it's me, Jill. Big news. M is for Mom, a Motherhood Feels book, is out now. M is for Mom introduces healthy mental health coping skills in a rhyming storybook format. It's perfect for baby shower gifts, gender reveals, new baby visits, Mother's Day, and even seasoned moms. If you would like to stock up on a go-to baby shower gift, or you'd like to be the first to shower your patients or employees with M is for Mom, Bulk orders can be placed by contacting motherhoodfeels at gmail.com. Head over to motherhoodfeels.com to check out the newly revamped website to get a preview of M is for Mom and to check out available locations to purchase M is for Mom. And as per usual, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Five-star reviews can't hurt either. You can also follow me on Instagram at motherhoodfeels, all one word, and check out my online course before and even after baby boot camp at motherhoodfeels.com. The downloadable workbook and short videos will walk through evidence-based strategies for healthy coping with all your motherhood feels. Thanks for listening. Hi, Blair. How are you doing? Hi, Jill. I'm well. Thank you for being here, Blair. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I live in Australia. I'm in um, the city of Melbourne, and I'm a somatic psychotherapist, and I also do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy as well. And yeah, I've been doing this for about seven years and uh, really love what I do. I kind of switched careers kind of mid um, my mid-30s uh, because I really had a passion for uh, this kind of work. And it just keeps stimulating me and um, I get a lot of rewards out of working with people. Um, during COVID, I opened up my practice because I couldn't work in person anymore um, for many years to, you know, um, other countries. And I've been fortunate to have, you know, clients from you know, most English-speaking countries, you know, Canada, USA, New Zealand, uh, England, Ireland, uh, Australia. And that's been a real delight to kind of meet people and yeah so that's me in a nutshell i've got two children uh one teenage daughter right now and a teenage son um i can tell you a little bit about it i was divorced about eight years ago so I'm no longer with the mother of my children which uh, i'm happy to talk about and uh but yeah, I have a partner um, now, and that's very stable and enjoyable for me. 
So, yeah, I'm a avid learner. I can't stop learning about the healing process, all elements of that. I've kind of um, explored things across different sciences, all to kind of to serve the purpose of trying to help people with whatever's going on for them mentally, emotionally, and help them through. So, yeah, it's great to be here, Jill. Well, gosh, I have a lot of questions based on all those interesting things you just mm. shared. And let's see, I'll start with my first curiosity. You mentioned that you switched careers around uh, the age of 30. Tell me a bit about what prompted that. Yeah, so, um, so well, <laughs> it's a good question. And so the psychology field, I started um studying at, at university actually and you know i was reading a lot of like jung just in my spare time and different kind of psychology authors like in my early 20s like not many guys are like doing this for fun but <laughs> life kind of took me down a different path and i was able to kind of build a more kind of reliable uh, income stream in kind of um doing uh, sports related business um and that was kind of my career for about 10 or 12 years and it was purely based on just being able to kind of support myself and um you know um, be financially stable right so i kind of deviated away from my psychology interest into something that was kind of financially probably more beneficial you know and then you know um i had a i was you know for all intents and purposes had a, a good career in that industry i enjoyed my work for the most part but in my <clears throat> excuse me early 30s i lost a lot of meaning from the work i'd turn up to work you know and for most people it would be kind of a really great job and it was for all intents and purposes but i was getting bored and i found some of the work just meaningless and so I started veering back towards, you know, um, psychology and therapy and counseling and learning and rereading and kind of reconnecting with that, that, um, with that work. And I just haven't stopped, you know, so I kind of knew that I remember walking into work one day, it was kind of January, which is our summer here. And I said, this is the last year I'm going to be here you know, mm -hmm. and that that turned out to be true. So in December of that year, I decided to leave and kind of begin my counselling career. I'd done a number of things to kind of get training, like while I was still in that other role, and then I kind of transitioned into psychotherapy and, <clears throat> excuse me, counselling from that point on and haven't, haven't looked back. So it was a little bit scary to kind of jump, um, jump stream. I took a hit, you know, financially and... Um, a lot of family members said I was crazy because I was supporting two kids and, um, you know, um, so there was a lot of risk involved, um, but my, it was just a stronger sense that I wanted to do this work and it, it had more meaning and I think in the long term it would be more beneficial, but I just had to kind of jump that bridge in terms of the career switch. So, yeah, it was. it was, I look back now and think, it's, it seemed painless, but it wasn't necessarily painless. But yeah, so I feel like I'm completely on my the right path for me, completely aligned with what I do, and I get a lot of fulfillment out of it, out of the work yeah. that I'm doing now. 
Yeah, it sounds like you were quite brave in making that leap, but it's also been really fulfilling for you. And I heard you mention that you really focus on CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy and somatic therapy. Um, I think a lot of people know about CBT, but if you could share a little bit about the somatic piece, I think that's a really growing area. So I'd love to kind of get a quick overview for for, uh, the people who are listening on what that entails. Yeah, so somatic, you know, is kind of um, focuses on different elements of our experience, really. And so when, um, so it is body kind of related work, and we are focusing on um, sensations in the body, but also still emotions that are kind of generated through the body, um, the meaning that's attached to those kind of sensations or those emotions, um, kind of visual impressions and other aspects that. Um, can be a little bit um, intangible. We're still kind of trying to explore that. And so the way that I kind of incorporated into my work is understanding where people are feeling their distress. So, uh, and then this usually does locate in some part of the body and it's related specifically to the circumstances and the issues that they've been dealing with. And so um, the lovely part about somatic work is you work quite slowly, but it's quite, um intense at times so we take um really small incidental physical uh movements like for example someone tapping their foot on the floor and we'll just pause and we'll say what's going on what's with the what's happening with that tap and we slow time down and we focus for example on that um thing about the tap and then out of those little innocuous movements there's story and there's um emotion and and what the body is trying to do is move um, these sensations through and kind of out of the system, right? Or uh, regulate so the system comes back into harmony. And our body does this naturally in many ways, uh, but for emotions, our mind kind of will get in the way. And this is why I still work with CBT because I feel like everyone needs to have a a grasp on the way that their mind is influencing the body. So we really have to kind of combine both. The somatic works, I think, become quite popular because um, the body is doing the talking too. And um, I think previous generations, you know, um, uh, we, we there, there wasn't really a way to explore this. And, yeah, it's just a nice way to kind of get people to kind of let go of emotions that they can't process cognitively um and kind of the nature of anxiety is many ways irrational so we can't really find a cognitive solution a lot of our emotions cannot be kind of resolved with an answer which is what we're continually seeking so then what will how can we kind of get those answers from the body and you know if we take our time and work through it slowly but surely we'll usually find uh, a way for those things to come through and process and resettle. And um, people often feel a little bit of distress going through like somatic work because it's like uh, the emotion has to kind of peak before it kind of subsides again. And as long as you've got enough tolerance in your system and your nervous system, and that's part of it is to just to try and build that side of someone up before you go into like anything too deep, um, then they can kind of handle whatever is wanting to come through and and then it will settle. So 
I found it to be a really effective modality. Yeah, it, I just think it's a really effective way of, of kind of working with um, emotions as well as kind of physical sensations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I am now thinking about your Instagram page, which is how we connected. And you have so many nice quotes and statements there. Tell me a little bit about how you decided to create a page that has that feel, because I think it's really valuable. Mm. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So um, it's something I do every day. And you know, this was another thing that came out of kind of the COVID lockdown. Um, I started it in 2020 because there was no way of, um, you know, again, working with people in person anymore, um, even if they lived next door to me. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I just had an instinct to start an Instagram and dedicate kind of time every day to, you know, putting my thoughts together or kind of sharing something I've, I've recently learned or just reflections that came out of working with someone and, you know, just try to write it in everyday language that people would kind of understand and also kind of provide some insight and hopefully stimulate some of their own thoughts to help them with whatever's going on. And yeah, I, I've kind of just got in a habit of it. If I haven't done it in a day, there's something missing. Um, yeah, and I get, you know, it's lovely to connect like we had, we're doing now with people from all over and I get some lovely feedback and unexpected things come out of it. And I've been able to meet some wonderful people that way and, you know, professional like, and work with them as, as clients, but also kind of as personal, you know, connections and friends as well. So it's been a real blessing actually. And, you know, social media gets a lot of kind of bad, uh, <clears throat> you know, connotations associated with it sometimes but i found it to be really a blessing so um yeah it's something i'll continue to um you know develop and stay with and and you know hopefully it's helping people and yeah that's my motivation yeah well i encourage people if they have not already to check it out and i believe your handle is heal with blair Um, am i getting that right. right Okay. Um, yeah, 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 exactly right. Yeah. And so I think um, the way you have it set up aesthetically and then also the content is really impressive. So check that out if you have not already. You mentioned that you are a dad to what sounds like two teenagers. I'm curious mm-hmm. if they have the same psychological interest and psychological mindedness that you have, or if they are teenagers who are doing teenage things. Yeah. Um, uh, good question. I think they're still quite, um, young for kind of teenagers, like young, still kind of more of on, I would say on the more of a childish mindset, uh, to a degree. Um, my 15 year old daughter is kind of, you know, definitely maturing kind of nicely and at a good pace. And, you know, she's recently done a, you know, they start to do the career assessment and what you're kind of strong in and this and that. And she she's a natural artist, actually fine art. She's really brilliant. Um, but a lot of the um, feedback came back in like one of the suggestions was counselling or psychology or kind of working with people personally because she's also, you know, a very good people person. Um, so I'm not sure where her career is going to take her. But, yeah, she's quite intuitive and um 
yeah, I, I can see a lot of similarities with her uh, and, and myself. And yeah, so still, you know, early on her life's journey. So um, I kind of give her room to explore and make her own choices without too much you know, pressure from, from me. And my son, he's kind of got a probably different mindset. Um, he probably a little bit more like I probably spend a little bit more time with him because we tend to do kind of, you know, I would say more typical kind of boy things together. Um, like he plays soccer and I kind of, you know, take him to that and, you know, different things. But um, um, but he's kind of probably got more, he's, I would say, his mum's side, um, you know, and he's a little bit more analytical than me. Um, probably a different side of the brain is probably more prominent for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's quite skilled in maths, you know, and my daughter's quite, you know, artistic. So they've kind of got different elements that they're both kind of strong in so um but you know i see my role as you know just kind of you know and something i've learned from my work is trying to get a balance between support and freedom and and so i you know this is a learning that's come out of my professional career and so i try my best where i was probably before i had this kind of insight probably more on the helicopter parent side of it to be honest like i was probably overprotective in many ways um <clears throat> but i've kind of tried to take a step back from that and especially as teenagers they're kind of insisting on it anyway so it's not necessarily um all my doing but they you know trying to get a balance between support i'm here if you need me and freedom like you go and do your exploration and come back if you need me to so um so I've kind of let go a little bit, felt a little bit less stressed about trying to, you know, um, make sure that they're okay and, you know, doing the right thing and, you know, that they're safe and everything like that and just kind of let them um, have a bit more freedom to kind of make mistakes and, you know, um, take the bus to like places where I'd probably have freak freaked out, you know, not <laughs> long ago. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of my like a simple, you know, mindset that I'm trying to kind of work with with them. But, yeah, they're great kids and you know, I'm very blessed to have my kids and, um, yeah, I uh, get a lot of um, fulfillment out of it. They're actually in Paris right now with their mom. Oh. She's Europe, she's German originally and so they're spending a bit of time in, in Germany and they're right now in Paris. So, so I'm hoping they're having a good time checking out all the sites and eating yummy food over there. Well, that actually is a great segue into my next question. I noticed on your Instagram page that you have very few vices, but you did say you have ice cream and pastries as a potential vice. Yeah, I do like ice cream and it's we're coming into summer. You know, we've got reciprocal seasons to, to you over there in the Northern Hemisphere. So our summer's not too far away, hopefully. And yeah, I just find ice cream a nice treat going on a hot day. I know you've got a you know hot climate too, so you probably appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I probably do get a lot of my vices out of food. Um, in my twenties and thirties, I was kind of you know if I would say followed typical kind of vices. I probably I was drinking too much alcohol, and um, I would gamble, and I would kind of do all like the the things I thought were cool in my like early twenties. And that kind of stayed with me for most of that decade. And then when I started kind of um, just having some shifts and I started doing some meditation and 
got into some yoga, like a lot of those vices just lost meaning as well. So it was kind of in this period where my career lost meaning as well. Like all these things that I kind of thought were cool all of a sudden weren't. And, and I just completely lost interest in them. Like really just there's no kind of compulsion to, to do any of that. And, um, so yeah. So, and then I try to work on my nutrition a bit and, and be healthy that way. And, um, so, and I, you know, so a lot of alcohol I've cut out and I've gone kind of periods of time without co- caffeine. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm drinking coffee at the moment. Um, but, you know, sweet things are probably the thing that I, um, I'm still drawn to the most, uh, out of all the things that you probably consider a vice. I think my other vice is, I mentioned this on Instagram as well. I, I buy way too many books, like right beside me, there's a stack of books here, a stack of books here. There's a bookshelf there that's overflowing. And I problem is I don't have time to read them all, but I have to buy them anyway. So Amazon get a lot of my money. Um, so yeah, that's probably my other kind of main vice, but yeah, probably a healthier kind of advice. Well, you mentioned that you have your children and that you probably have shifted away from being um, maybe to use your words, helicoptery to kind of giving them some autonomy and space to explore and you're being a safe space for them to return. Uh, what other things are you noticing as you reflect on your parenthood journey that maybe you wish you had known or that you, you would like to have done differently as a seasoned father now? Mm, such a good question, Jill. Uh, so it is, I would say there are regrets, but the regrets don't come with too much emotional tone because I just couldn't have known it then. You know, like I give myself some compassion that, you know, I've gone on a professional journey, lots and lots of learnings. You know, I'm in the mid forties now. I didn't have that knowledge 15 years ago. I just didn't know it was there. And so I kind of wish I did, but at the same time, I knew I couldn't. So, um, but, um, some of the things that I think are most important is kind of what I shared before about trying to strike that balance between support and freedom. The other thing I think is really important is, understanding our history like our um ancestry and understanding more about our grandparents and if possible our great-grandparents and getting to know their stories as well because i think it helps kind of put our life into context i think you know as we move through life uh we take a sometimes we're we can be quite hard on ourselves and self-critical about i should have done this and i should do this better and i wish i was more like that but really a lot of the things that um, we're predisposed to or our instincts are actually kind of um, dispositions that are very similar to other members of our family that have come before us. And I think they're still with us, like the, 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 our attributes are still with us. But I think when we have perspective on other people's lives that have kind of impacted us through the family system, um, we can we can be a little bit easier on ourselves and actually take a little bit more pressure off ourselves in terms of expectations and um yeah just trying to get things right um so you know and this has been quite important for my family and especially i'll just talk about my but my paternal side because part of my healing um when i went through divorce and everything was quite painful was understanding my ancestry because i didn't before that and 
uh, I came to learn that one of my great-grandfathers was, well, three were in the First World War, and one of them was a prisoner of war for the, mainly the whole of the First World War. And what was interesting, so this was my father's grandfather, my great-grandfather, but my father had no idea about this. Hmm. Right, so it's his grandfather, and he had spent, you know, years with, you know, decades with his father, uh, who who did uh, he did return and spent time with um, my grandfather, but my dad didn't know anything about this at all, and he was fascinated when I said, "Here's the research. I found all this on the internet, and here are all the records." And he was blown away, and actually created a lot of meaning for him as well, and um, and so you know. To use my example, when I was going through um, my divorce, and you know, I, I, I get you know half time with my kids, so I see them you know all the time, and I have very interact you know a lot of interactions with them. But just kind of this time apart, like really kind of broke me up originally. Um, and you know, so I, I, I try to explore like the intensity of the emotions that I was feeling. And some, you know, it might be a tenuous connection, but, you know, my, I think of my great grandfather who went to the war and got captured and had to stay there for four years. He was, he had four children at home in England and, um, he was, he was Irish and a long story, but, and he was separated from his children for like four years and, and, and he was kind of helpless. Like, what could you do? Like you were stuck and you couldn't do anything about it. So. Um, and then how did that affect my grandfather and his kind of attachment patterns? And, um, so, so just having that kind of understanding kind of helped me kind of soften some of the things that I was feeling because I knew that, um, um, this idea of being separated, like a separation anxiety probably is quite a strong theme in my family because of these experiences that came before me. So actually it allowed me to soften in my own way to think, well, of course it hurts. Of course it's going to hurt. You know, um, these wounds have been there for actually several generations. So, you know, when, if something happens to me, that's similar, not, you know, different circumstances, but kind of similar outcome. Yeah. It's going to hurt me too. So, but actually acknowledging that helps me, help me kind of soften around it and, and come to terms with it a bit more easily. Um, and, um, yeah. So I think just helping to understand those stories um gives us more perspective and allows us to kind of um i think just just come into parenting or our own experience with i think more compassion generally and just um uh, less kind of self-criticism as well i guess the other thing that i think would have been helpful was understanding kind of the nature of attachment styles so i, I didn't know that either like 15 16 years ago and uh, how to just cultivate, you know, I think my kids are more or less securely attached, um, but but I didn't understand how I was attached to my parents and I had no idea about that. And I think that just gives us a language to, again, understand where our patterns are coming from. And once we understand it, then we've got something to work with. So if, if someone's um, anxious, then, you know, and we do anxious things, then uh, we, we know what we need to do to kind of help ourselves come into calmer, more relaxed places. So they're just a couple of things that I wish I'd have known earlier. Uh, there's probably a lot more, but I think those two themes would be um, the most prominent in my mind right now. 
Yeah. And what's coming to my mind is this style of work. Have you, are you familiar with trust-based relational intervention, TBRI? It's an attachment focused kind of trauma-informed process, and it values a lot of the things that you're talking about. Um, So I would highly encourage people to pay attention to the attachment patterns that they have, not only with their children, and their partners, but with their own parents and in subsequent generations. I think it's so interesting. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love to uh, continue talking to you. I, however, know that you have to start your day. So I'm kind of ending mine in the five o'clock hours and you are Mm -hmm. starting in the seven o'clock hour. Uh, So I thank you for being flexible with uh, challenging time zones. It's not easy for Mm. me. Um, And uh, hopping on and talking. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Jill. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking and... uh... Yeah, I think we had one go and we couldn't. I got it wrong, uh, but I missed it by an hour. And uh, but no, nice to talk to you today. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Anytime, happy to do it again. Well, thanks so much, Blair. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for listening. And make sure to save the date for the upcoming Motherhood Feels book launch. You can mix and mingle with Motherhood Feels at Fishweir Brewing Company in Jacksonville, Florida for the book launch of Motherhood Feels, M is for Mom, and Fatherhood Feels, D is for Dad, December 7th, 5.30 p.m. at Fishweir Brewing Company.